0: My dear respected elders, brothers, dear sisters, listeners, normally when we speak about great ulama, we speak about giants in knowledge, the first thing that comes to the mind is men. But subhanallah, today I will prove that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not left the disciplinary of knowledge, of teaching, of mastering various arts to men alone. But probably Nubu'wat was exclusive to men because the men had to go out and face the nations and subhanallah had to become a target of That nation leashing out the anger so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the mothers of the anbiya and the wives of the Anbiya and the daughters of the Anbiya their support system and Allah ta'ala probably never give Nubu'wat to a lady but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted many women knowledge and hikmah, and from amongst those who stand tall in the sphere of learning and teaching is Sayyidatuna Aisha radiyallahu ta'ala anha, whilst me and you to a great extent will say and attribute the knowledge Aisha got from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and rightfully so, she narrates more than 2,000 hadith from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa but a great amount of her mastery and a great amount of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha's art, her poetry and her intelligence comes from her father. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu brought up these two beautiful girls, Asma radiallahu anha and Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. Asma is around 10 years older than Aisha ta'ala anha, and Asma ta'ala anha is from another mother whilst Aisha is from another mother. Abu Bakr anhu had multiple wives, up to nine wives over the span of his life. But subhanallah, the mother of Asma anha was not a Muslim so then he left her and he moved on to Medina Munawwara and he obviously was with the mother of um, Aisha ta'ala anha, Ruman. now we learn and we understand that Abu Bakr anhu gave the best tarbiyah to his daughters and it is mentioned that Aisha ta'ala anha, she knew how to subhanallah sing poetry in the best of its forms and she learned that from her father she learned that from her father she was also a doctor by profession meaning Aisha anha had great knowledge regarding medicine and mashaAllah, whenever anyone of uh, medicine medicinal knowledge came to Medina Munawwara Aisha anha asked for time with him or her if it was a him there would be a curtain drawn and if it was a her then directly but she would learn Various techniques in treating various different, uh, you know illnesses in Marina Munawwara And many of the women of Marina Munawwara would come to her with their problems And Alhamdulillah, she would, you know, prescribe for them the correct medicine It is also mentioned that in the battlefield, Aisha and her entire team would join the Prophet Like in Uhud and they would tend to the wounds of those injured. Now you get men fighting in the path of Allah, and now they have open wounds, slit blood flowing, so Aisha would then tend to them, and subhanAllah close their wounds. Hence, in the interim or in the absence of male doctors, where there is no one that has that expertise, if a lady has to check that area only and treat it, and similarly, a male to a female, when a lady, subhanallah, there is no other female doctors available, it will be permissible under certain circumstances, with certain rulings. Now, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, let's speak about her. Allahu Akbar. She was a university in her own right. She was a university in her own right. And Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loved her a lot and gave her a lot of importance. It is mentioned amongst the Sahabiyat. After Khadija radiallahu anha, and after Fatima al-Zahra radiallahu anha, there was no lady that earned the privilege but Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, Allama Zarkashi rahmatullahi alayhi mentions in his kitab that Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha enjoyed the privilege of 40 things that no other lady in the time of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam including his azwajul mutahharat including his wives enjoyed so at that moment and time nabiy Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam nabiy Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam subhanallah loved her so dearly that one day a person came to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and asked man ahabbun nasi ilaika ya rasulullah who is the most beloved person to you and the person answered, uh, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam answered, Aisha radiallahu anha Aisha is the most beloved to me. He said, Laysa and daka as Okay, that's your family matter. I don't want to ask about that. I'm talking about the man. Faqala abaha, her father. Her father, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. So subhanAllah, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam loved her dearly. It is also mentioned that all the other wives Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi married were married before. Were married before. It is only Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha that she was not married before and she came into the matrimonial of Rasulullah sallallahu whilst she was still a virgin. Number two, subhanallah, Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa when he was ill, then he preferred in being in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. So he would ask every day, tomorrow where am I, tomorrow where am I, and the wives got whiffed. That the Prophet wants to be in Aisha's house so they said you are not well we all give permission that you spend the last few days in Aisha's house and that made Nabi Kareem very happy. It is mentioned amongst the Sahaba that when the Sahaba wanted to gift Rasulullah a gift they would wait for the day of Aisha because they knew that that was the day he was the happiest and then they would gift their gifts on that day so the other wives came and complained to Rasulullah when you are at our homes, we got no presents, we get no gifts. The day you buy Aisha's house, the gifts all come to you. This is unfair. Rasulullah said, That's something I can't control. That's something Allah puts in the hearts of people. I can't, subhanAllah, regulate when people give me gifts and not. So this is something Aisha عنها, was blessed with. It was not the love of worldly creation only. But Allah Ta'ala made it such that also the love of the angels was such. And of Allah was such for Aisha. That it is mentioned that wahyya matlu. al matlu means recitational wahi. There's two types of wahi: Wahy matlu, ghayr matlu. Ghayr matlu is that wahy which Nabi Sassim said himself. That was always open. And even in the homes of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there was wahi coming to him. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi does not speak of his own. Everything is regulated by Allah. So even his hadith is wahi. And that is why Allah says in the Qur'an al oh O women of the Prophet Sallallahu remember of those ayat which we reveal in your homes. Al-Hujarat. And that is why the surah is called Surah Al-Hujarat, denoting the rooms of the wives and the chambers that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam visits so often. However, wahiyem matlu, matlu means that which is revelation of the Qur'an specifically and is recited in the Qur'an, it would not come in anyone's home except in the home of Aisha radiallahu anha. In other words, Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam would come specifically and give ayat of Qur'an al karim only in the home or in the bed of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. Furthermore, my beloved, subhanAllah, the Prophet passed away whilst placing his head between the neck and the chest of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. And more so, he was buried in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. The last thing that entered the mouth of the Prophet was the saliva that Aisha radiallahu anha took the miswaq and she softened it. Nabiakareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was about to pass away and aisha's smaller brother abdurrahman was playing around and he had a miswak in his hand the prophet sallam, he looked at it with his eyes and he began to follow it as if he wished it aisha understood she caught up and she brought it and she softened it in her mouth and she put it in the mouth of rasulullah and this was the last thing that entered his mouth and her saliva obviously was part of it and nabi karim wa sallam, left this world my beloved subhanallah Nabi Kareem sallallahu alaihi had great patience with Aisha radiallahu anha of course she was of younger age and someone of that younger age they're not mature on the level of of course the Nabi of Allah so sometimes they will make demands and sometimes they will act in a certain way which demands that the person dealing with them needs a lot of perseverance patience and understanding and Aisha radiallahu anha said something which caught my eye was the games that the Abyssinians would play the Abyssinians were very good in the javelin they could throw the javelin very well and Aisha said it really amused me to stand and watch and I asked Rasulullah to watch them play hence the ulama mention that if it is a men's play if men is a game for example football or cricket and the lady is so far away that she can't really make out the faces she's not looking at the faces Number one. And number two, they dressed appropriately. Then it will be permissible to watch the game. Otherwise, why would the Prophet allow Aisha to watch the game from afar? But subhanallah, they were throwing the javelin and Aisha's eyes was not fixated on their body or on subhanallah, their faces, but on the game itself and looking at the outcomes. So Aisha is standing and she says, I place my hand on the shoulder of the Prophet. So I slipped behind him, no one could see me. The Prophet is standing and I'm on his shoulder and she says, I am tired. I'm tired. I'm over with the game. I have no interest. But I want to test the Prophet's love for me, how long you will stand. So I prolong. Are you done, Aisha? You watch finish? No, 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 I'm I'm still watching. I'm still enjoying. And the Prophet is just standing there patiently let's ask ourselves as men sometimes we go to the subhanallah shopping centers and it's one hour one and a half hours we got everything in the trolley and mashallah our wife still wants to see the last lane we lose patience we say like come on we need to go we got things to do was the Prophet of Allah not in need to speak to Jibreel and Mikael was the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not in need to go and counsel the sahaba he had a thousand things but he had time for his wife in the fact that, subhanallah, he would stand there, she was tired, he was tired, but he will prolong because she still was not satiated in watching the match. Also, it comes in hadith, until today in Madina Munawwara, there is a masjid, it's called Masjid al the masjid of competition. And it is called that because the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam would love to run there. It was an open maidan, an open place, and mashallah, sahaba, and of course Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam, fit, and they would do exercise today it's very important subhanallah many people feel that piety is restricted to sitting behind a quran and reading quran and at night's leading long rak'ah but there's no physical exercise sometimes shiukh mashallah, they're sitting and reading quran they're teaching kitabs whole day they're eating and sleeping but that's not it's good mashallah very good for the um, spirituality the spiritual body but Allah Ta'ala has granted us two amana. The one amana is the soul itself. And the other amana is the vessel, the vehicle. Right? And that is the body. If the body is not good, if the body is not healthy, no matter how great your spirituality is, it will not allow you to do the required ibadah. When you understand, your body is going to feel tired. It's not going to give in with you. So Alhamdulillah, it's very, very important. Mashallah. one of the sheikhs came visiting a few days ago. And I took him to the Listifi Lake. And I thought I'll take him on the bridge and back, Mashallah. And this sheikh, SubhanAllah, he left me far behind. He was like, you know, motoring it. Like 300 kilometers per hour. Left me right there. And he went for a whole circuit around the whole lake. And I'm trying to keep up behind, SubhanAllah. And then in the end, I told him, he said, every day, day, sheikh, I go for five kilometers walking. So, what that shows, subhanAllah, that it's good to be healthy. Even our sisters, mashallah, we are in our homes, get a treadmill, go for walks, do these things. Nabi Karim saw some is sunnah. So kitabu sibaq. And when our minds are fresh and our bodies are fresh, then alhamdulillah we have the magnetic pull in making ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Zainab Bradi anha. One day, Rasulullah was walking in the masjid and he found a rope. And the Prophet said, What is this? What is this rope? So he said that, Ya Rasulullah, when I'm tired and my body does not want to give in the ibadah, I tie my hair with the rope. So, you know, when I feel tired and I catch fish, what we'll say, or I, I go down, then the rope pulls me back up. And the Prophet said, Don't do that. Don't do that. Your body also has a hak over you so when you're tired sleep but not sleep all the time like sleep alhamdulillah on the hours of sleeping and then when it's needed alhamdulillah when you're fresh that is why it is mentioned don't recite the quran so much that you become tired leave some appetite so your earnest desire is that tomorrow i follow up from where i left subhanallah so malali Nabi taught us don't listen to too much lectures some people, Subhanallah, just one lecture after another le- the another. The maqsar in life is not to listen to lectures, my brother. Lectures is just a reminder. The actual my 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 purpose in life is not to go to that lecture and I must make it for that lecture and I must be for that lecture and I must listen. That's not the purpose in life. Purpose in life is to make ibadah. Purpose in life is to worship Allah. A lecture, mashallah, is to alhamdulillah, um, you know, remind us to motivate us right so similarly subhanallah abdullah bin masud anhu when he came to kufa people told him shaykh you know what we want you to give a lecture every day you are sahabi of rasulullah so abdullah bin masud said this is not the sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the prophet sallallahu would only speak to us once in a week unless there was some emergency something urgent he would speak to us otherwise just few words here and there proper lecture only once a week and that too if you see his khutbahs were five or ten minutes but he was jawami ul kali that's why imam malik rahmatullah says that let the knowledge be tantamount to the salt and let the amal and action be tantamount to the pot of food how much salt you put in the food it's a small amount you just need little salt and the the, the, the pot of food is so huge the bread is so huge that's what you need the little knowledge but a lot of amal today unfortunately and i lament upon myself too that we learn so much and we know so much and so much lectures we're going for that series and that series and that but let's ask our lives what's changing yesterday i taught the boys mashallah the fiqh of the masnoon salats it's sunnah to do this and sunnah to do that and today what was the test not to ask them to read the text and translate I asked them, yesterday, who read the Awabin prayer? And from the class, two hands went up. So what's the sense you master all the sunnat salats and you know the mandubat and the Masnood and this and that and what, but there's no action. Then who are we fooling? So coming to my point, subhanallah, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will run races with her. And he would run races subhanallah and at first nabiya kareem she she says that i was very thin i was very very thin very light so i could run very fast so subhanallah she said i outdone the prophet later in life she says of course after khaybar was taken and fiddick was taken in the last few years of the prophet from time to time there was mashallah a lot of food coming to medina and hence we would eat well. So Alhamdulillah I picked up some weight. So the Prophet Sallallahu said let's have a race against Aisha. And we had a race and this time the Prophet ﷺ beat me to it. And he said, This race is for that one. Meaning you won me then, I got you back. Tit for tat. So Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and her had a very very jovial, beautiful relationship. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam loved her so much that he would try to take her wherever he went. So we find that Subhanallah, there was a neighbor Pharisee from Persia, and this Persian person, he would come and he would love to invite the Prophet ﷺ to home to eat Persian food. So he comes and he says, "That O Prophet of Allah, I invite you to come to my home to eat." And the Prophet said, "Wahhabi ma'i, my wife Aisha can she come with?" He said, "No, I'm sorry, it's more of a male type of provision." she can't come with Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said then I, I I humbly you know Subhanallah I decline then he says he came again the second time he said ya Rasulullah, today I made that special meal you love come home Prophet said you can send it over I'll come if she's with me he said no not today I mean it's a bit difficult Rasulullah said then I'm not coming the third time he knew that he has to call Aisha he made the provision he threw the curtain he created the environment. And before the Prophet could ask, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I call you and your wife. The Prophet sallam, said, I'm coming. He went, he fetched Aisha radiallahu anha, and went with her for this da'wah. My beloved, subhanallah, she had so much knowledge. She had so much knowledge that Abu Musa Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, that whenever ashkala alaina Ashaba rasulullah sallallahu shaykh, when anything was difficult upon us as the sahaba that we could not crack the code we could not understand it became difficult for us to uh, solve then we all would look at the door of rasulullah's home and we would send a younger sahabi to knock and behind the curtain we would ask aisha radiallahu anha and there was not anything which was unsolvable amongst us difficult for us to understand except that when we knocked on the door amma aisha radiallahu anha had an answer for us she had the answer of it because she spent so much time with the prophet sallallahu wasallam she understood things no one else understood I'm bin Qais. He says, Wallahi summit to khutaba Abi Bakrin wa Umara, wa Uthman wa Aliyin, wa Sayyir khulafa ir Rashidina, wa khulafa imin badihim imbani umayyata, wa man summit to Ahadan Afsaha wa akala, min Aisha radiallahu anha, by the custom of Allah, I heard the khutbas of Abu Bakr, I heard the khutbas of Umar, I had the khutbas of Uthman, and everyone knew the poetry of Ali. And I heard the khutbahs of all the khulafa of the Banu Umayyah. But I stand to my opinion and I'm telling you with certainty. I heard Aisha radiallahu anha, no one could be more eloquent in speech and fluent than her. And the wise choice of words that she would use and the impact it would have on the heart than Aisha radiallahu anha all of them one side but no one could match her in speech the reason Nabi Karim Sallam married her was of course Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala told him to Nabi Sallam said I had a dream and uh, Sayyidina Jibreel wasalam, came to me and on a pillow Aisha radiallahu anha her picture was there just told to me that Allah commands you to get married to Aisha radiallahu anha so it was obviously from Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, but because she was so intelligent and she was like a recorder. The ummah had access to the Prophet of Allah outside his home. So when he was, mashallah, on travel, when he was on hajj, when he was in the masjid, there were more than 124,000 cameras and recorders around him capturing his life to pass it on to me and you. But the minute he went into closed doors, then his life became bleak and his life became, subhanallah, covered from the eyes of the ummah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the likes of Aisha radiallahu anha that not only could capture it, but subhanallah understand it and give the commentary about it within its context to us as an ummah. So to the extent of how Rasulullah would bath, there was no, of course, respect for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but there's no shyness in religion. So she explains to us that she and the Prophet would bath together from the same container. However, she says that the shyness was such that I would never stare at the private parts of Rasulullah, nor would he stare at mine. We would lower our gaze. The Prophet no one stared at his private parts ever, including his wives. So, subhanAllah, to this extent, Aisha tells us about him. She tells us about his eating. She tells us about his sleeping. She tells us about his tahajjud. She tells us about such dhikr that no other Sahabi knows about. There's a pillar in the masjid of Rasulullah. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, If my ummah knew the virtue of this pillar, they would fight with one another to perform salah at it because instantly you're forgiven by Allah. No one knew the pillar but Aisha. And she, subhanallah, knew this and Sahaba wanted to know and she would not tell anyone. One day in the middle of the night, her nephew seen her creep out when no one is there to the masjid and she came to that pillar and she was performing salah. And then after that, he asked her, Is this the pillar you speak about? She said, Yes. And that's when he told everyone, Where's that pillar? Till today, that pillar is called the pillar of Aisha. The pillar of Aisha. My beloved, Subhanallah, she was very, very, very generous. And she had this life with Rasulullah for many years. Where Aisha anha had to make a lot of suwaf with the Prophet's lifestyle. Because the Prophet was very poor. She says a moon would come and a moon would go and a moon would come and go again in third time. And wallahi, the fire, the fire in Rasulullah's house would not start. Because there was nothing to cook. <laughs> you, you, you run a fire when there's food, there's nothing. Then they said, "How would you stay alive?" He said, "Al Aswadan, water and dates. That's what it was. We drink water and eat dates three months in a row." She said, "Wallahi, mata Muhammadun Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed away in my house. Waleesal Ali Muhammad illa quta. There was nothing in the house of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam that we can say except so little just to keep us going and keep us alive. Besides a little water pitcher." one pillow and a shield and that shield also she says was given as a porn item to a jewish man and he gave us in lieu of that few wasaq, few kilos of bali and we began eating from that bali rasulullah passed away whilst his shield was pawn, and we were eating that bali and she said it never finished and we ate and ate and ate and then i realized hey there's something wrong normally bali finishes within a month or two This is going on for months. When I peered in, then she said, after that it finished. Then I realized it was a barakah continuing of Rasulullah. Had I not peeped in and I continued, probably it will last me for years. But she said, we never ever ate bread in our home that was made of fine flour. We would have bread made of rough barley. To the extent that in the house of the prophet ﷺ, there was not even a sift you know we have a sift and we use the sift to to do you know to take out all the uh what we would call the rough particles within the flower or the barley and especially barley it has that very thick particles she said we never have a sift so they said then how would you do it she said we would just crush it and then we would blow <sighs> And whatever flies, flies, and the rest would be the bread. That's how we lived. She said in the entire Medina, there was only one dress, beautiful dress. That's it. Not one dress per woman. One dress for Medina. And anyone that was getting married, and anyone that was, subhanallah, going for a, you know, a big pub event, they would come to my house and borrow their dress. Not even buy it. And we would give it and fit it onto that lady because it's her marriage. Or it's because of something special for her. And then after the event she would come and return that dress. And that dress hundreds of women would wear. Taking turns because no one else had money to afford another dress of that type. My beloved subhanallah, let alone one dress. Ask ourselves in our wardrobes how many hundreds of dresses we have. How many shoes to match those dresses and how many bags goes with that my beloved subhanallah yet when allah ta'ala granted her and that is the speciality of these two sisters aisha and asma There were sometimes in their life they never have anything and there's sometimes in life when they had everything that is the test of allah that when you don't have anything and when you have everything you're still the same Change doesn't come to you when you don't have anything. And change don't come to you when you have everything. Allah says this so beautifully in the Quranul Kareem. That a man of stability, a woman of stability, a man of sirat al mustaqim is that when Allah does not give you, Allah deprives you, then at that moment and time you don't lose hope in Allah. You do not become despondent in Allah. And then when Allah Ta'ala opens for you his treasures and blesses you and everything comes to you, then you do not acclaim what you got to your own self and your own knowledge and your own doing. You attribute it to Allah and you do not become overproudful of what He gives you. So, on this one hand, Aisha doesn't have anything. But on the other hand, subhanallah, after the life of the Prophet sallallahu Allah ta'ala opens for her the dunya. And it is mentioned when the Umayyad kings would come to Medina, they would bring camel loads of gold for Aisha radiallahu anha. She was the favorite. They all loved her. Umar radiallahu also would give a lot of, mashallah, every time presents come, he would send it to Aisha radiallahu anha. So it is said one day, 100,000 gold coins, brothers. I'm not talking about $100,000. If today someone gives you $100,000, wow. 100,000 gold coins was given to Aisha. anha. She told her servant that the Prophet would not love to sleep in a home. The Prophet would not love to sleep in a home when there's even 5 or 10 dirhams left. I order you, my beloved servant, Help me take all this to the doors and go and advertise in every alleyway of Medina Munawwara that any poor person needs anything, come to the house of Aisha. Anha, and people would come and make long lines. And she gave and gave and gave and gave until the last dirham was given. And it was Asr time and she performed Asr. And then the servant said, Aisha, do you realize you're fasting today? She said, yes. And do you realize we don't have food in the house? We don't even have meat, nothing. What are we going to cook? So Aisha says, oh, I didn't know that. So the servant said, why didn't you keep at least one dirham? We could buy something to eat and break our fast. Aisha said, I forgot. Why didn't you remind me? Let's ask ourselves when we don't have anything and we get 100,000. My brothers, even if you're the most generous person in the world right now, will first take out one thousand at least for himself and then give the other 99, thousand. and he'll still applaud himself. I gave him 99, I only kept one for myself. Ah gives everything and she don't even know that she needs it. My beloved Subhanallah, Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam loved her. and one day she was having a little fight with her father. Why that happened? She was having an altercation with rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and as she was having this argument her father walked in father got very angry oh Aisha, how can you answer back the prophet so he came to give a smack or two don't you argue with rasulullah so nabi would not want to see and he would not tolerate that abu bakar left his hand on aisha it's so unfortunate today That the father needs to come and tell the husband, don't hit my daughter. In the time of Rasulullah, the husband would stop the father, don't hit my wife. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam held the hand and he protected Aisha. He protected her. And he said, Abu Bakr, no, no, no. We're having a little bit of argument. She's saying what she wants to say. Let it be. Abu Bakr, leave it. Abu Bakr, no, Abu Bakr. And he blocked her, blocked her, blocked her and Abu Bakr alarm, got angry and he walked out Nabi s.a.w. turned around it was a heated discussion he said to Aisha see you fight with me but I still save you you are answering me back you are having a fight with me but when your father came to take my part against you I never side with him I actually subhanallah took your part and I protected you so she hugged the Prophet Prophet hugged now they're having a light moment. Abu Bakr heard them laughing. He came back to the door. Like I just came here and you were having a bit of an argument, heated. And now you're laughing. He said, I, when I read this, subhanallah, how beautiful the Sahaba were. He said, Adkhilni fi silmikuma kama adkhaltumuni fi harbikuma. Adkhilni fi silmikuma kama adkhaltumuni or adkhaltani fi harbikuma can you please make me part of the peace process and the happy moments, just as how earlier you made me part of your fighting. <laughs> so, my beloved, subhanallah, Aisha radiallahu anha, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, one day she asked him, how much you love me? He said, hablin, hablin. I love you like a tight, not on the rope. And then thereafter she would keep on asking the Prophet ﷺ, how much you love me? So Nabi Sallam said, Ala that knot is still very tight. That knot is still very tight. The Prophet ﷺ said, oh Aisha, I know when you're angry with me and I know when you're upset with me. I listen to your dua. When you pick up your hands and you say Ya Rabbi Ibrahim Oh the Rab of Ibrahim a. I know, you know what, you don't you're not into me. There's something going on. And when, subhanAllah, you pick up your hands and you say, Ya Rabba Muhammadin. Oh, the Rabba Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, mashallah, now I know she's over heels with me. One sheikh told the bayan, and in the bayan he said, I know when my wife is happy with me, when she listens to my bayans. When she put Mufti Mank on, I know there's something wrong. <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> Anyway, I continue, subhanallah, my beloved subhanallah, Aisha radiallahu anha went through a very difficult time, when it came, when people made a very, very bad, they made a very, very bad slander on her, and subhanallah, Abdullah bin Ubay, Ubay bin Salul, was the Raisul munafiqeen at that time, he said that Aisha radiallahu anha, committed zina, na'udhu billah. I'm not going to go through the entire episode, but can you imagine of a young girl being the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu in the center of the house of the believers and being slandered with something so great with a sahabi of Safwan bin Muattal radiallahu ta'ala it devastated her. She said, I cried so much, I had no tears left to cry. She went to her parents' home and in the end she said, I never thought... That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reveal ayat of the Qur'an al karim to clear my name. I actually, subhanAllah, thought that Maryam alayhi salatu wasalam is much greater than me. And when people said that she committed zina and she came with Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, Allah ta'ala cleared her name and proved her innocence through the talking of a Nabi, Isa alayhi And greater than me was Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, and when people slandered him that he committed this wrong action with Zuleikha, Allah Ta'ala cleared his name by a small child speaking in the palace. So I thought if Yusuf's name was cleared by a child, and Maryam name was cleared by, by a child, Isa wasalam, a Nabi of Allah, the greatest that would happen to me is Nabi Wasallam will you know, issue a verdict that Jibril came to me and Aisha is innocent. ولكن ما برئ ان يالله بلسان النبي ولا بلسان صبي ولكن اوحى الله 18 ايات في سوره يقرا الى يوم الْقِيَامَةِ الله تعالى revealed the opening ayat of surah an-nur not 118 ayat that will be embedded in the quran al-karim spelling out and screaming out the excellence and the innocence of aisha radhiyallahu anha and will be recited by this Ummah till the day of Qiyamah till the day of Qiyamah my beloved subhanallah she had a sister by the name of Asma Asma radiallahu ta'ala anha was a very pious girl and she grew up again in the house of Abu Bakr radiallahu anha. now look at the intelligence of Asma and Anj when Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu made the safar and he went away to Madina, Munawwara, he took all his money with him for two reasons. Number one, if he left anything back, the Kuffar would have taken it. Number two, he needed money to help the Prophet's cause. So Abu Quhafa, Abu Quhafa he was the father of Abu Bakr. At that time, he was not a Muslim. But later on, he came to Makkah. And later on, I think in Fathah Makkah, it was not he was brought to Rasulullah and he was stark white beard the Prophet said, Ala ma. Uh, you, you, doesn't this man find some mandy or something to color his beard you know so subhanallah Abu Quhafa then accepted Islam he accepted Islam before he passed away but at that time he was not a Muslim so when Nabi Karim took Abu Bakr and they both went to the hijra abu Kuhafa came to check on the girls because the girls were alone aisha asma later on they all went at that time they were still there so when abu Kuhafa came he asked Ma what did your father leave for you so they realized there's not much around there's just a few coins and if we tell him he already has a bad idea why did my father leave us and go we're going to subhanallah just make it worse and he's going to say oh he never even leave money for you today the grandparents come home see how the grandchildren complain about their parents because they know no one can tell our parents off but the grandparents. but subhanallah look at the emotional intelligence of these two young girls my father is trying to help rasulullah we are in this together we're not going to leak out information inside the house to the grandfather to subhanallah Let him hold it against our father. So what he done? They took some of the coins. They took a bag of stones. And they threw the coins above. And they picked up the bag and they put it in front of the grandfather. And said, see what our father left for us. And he put his hands on the top. He felt the gold. He thought that the entire bag is full of gold. So he said, okay, Abu Bakr done good. She says, I go now every day to Ghar Hira. The prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is up there he's in the hira mountain and as he's in the hira mountain he needs food he needs to eat and there's no one to take the food for him so she says subhanallah every day asma i would take the food i would pack it up and i would walk and make sure no one is following me and then i would come to not hira but Thor. and i would climb the Thor mountain now, my beloved one day we went for Thor mountain it's not easy to climb we actually went there in the morning and we climbed it and then coming back time it was very very difficult the snakes on that mountain I myself seen one or two snakes on there and at that time as well there was a lot of snakes it's mentioned in the hadith that Abu Bakr found a snake in the cave and it's very steep and and, and and your legs become wobbly and coming back time it was so hot it's the first time in my life I actually really felt, you know, I might lose my life. And at that moment in time, there were brothers from Melbourne. You know, Mashallah, they go gym, and they're very, very, you know, macho. No problem, Mufti. We will go up there. At that moment in time, they were their legs were wobbly. You're calling out to them, they ignore you like you don't exist. They were worried of their own life. Mashallah, Allah sent us some brothers there they helped us and we came down but we were actually stranded it's not easy of a mountain to go up and down you have your timing needs to be right you need enough water this young girl she climbs the mountain every day amidst the fear that the Quraysh is looking for the prophet and she takes food for the prophet and one day as she's taking the food she doesn't have Something to carry the food. So she takes off her shawl. And she splits the shawl in half. And she ties it. And she takes it to the Prophet Half tying herself and half holding the food. And getting up there to give the Prophet whatever she could. And the Prophet called her The one of two belts. The one of two belts. When she came down, she faced Abu Jahl. And Abu Jahl asked her, where is the Prophet She said i'll die but i will not tell you anything about my father and my my nabi's whereabouts so he smacked her smacked her so hard she fell to the ground and she was pregnant at that time so subhanallah that smack of abu jahl to a pregnant lady because brave people don't fight brave people i mean uh, cowards don't fight brave people the coward will never come and face men The coward will kill women and children with, subhanallah, with airplanes. They can't come on the ground and fight men. Men can't fight men. Men fight men. Cowards don't fight men. Cowards will sit behind walls and press buttons and kill women and children. So Abu Jahl cannot fight men. Because when he came in Badr, then he was put straight into his grave. He was fighting, subhanallah, women and children. That's the sign of a coward. But when cowards like that smack women and children, remember their ending is coming. Remember the ending is coming. The smack of Abu Jahl on the face of Asma radiallahu anha marked his end. Hardly a year, two years later, he was lying dead into, subhanallah, the pit of Badr. And today, the Zionists that are killing innocent children and womenfolk marks their end very soon, inshallah. Say inshallah have yaqeen in that my brothers there's no power in the world that ever lasted only power that lasts is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so my beloved subhanallah asma radiyallahu ta'ala anha she faced abu jahl nabi karim sallallahu alayhi wa came to madina munawwara she still has this child in her stomach what the jews in Medina at that time what did they say they said that since the muslims came to madina munawwara, they will not give birth they will not give birth to any male offspring the lanat and the curse of god is on them and hence they will not have any male offspring so it was obviously worrisome for everyone there was a tension will we get any male offspring and subhanallah asma radiallahu anha was the first muslim lady muhajir from makkah to give birth in madina Munawara. And she gave birth to this lovely child called Abdullah bin Zubair. Ta'ala, anhu. And that was a cause of celebration and happiness amongst the Muslims because male offspring was born to the Muslims in Medina munawwara And who's her aunt? Who sorry? Who's her husband? Her husband is Zubair radiallahu anhu. Zubair radiallahu anhu is one of the ashara mubashara Zubair anhu, is the cousin of the Prophet. Nabisa's father is Abdullah. zubair's mother is Safiyyah. They are brothers and sisters, first cousin of the Prophet sallallahu and Zubair عنه, is the first one that took out the sword in the path of Allah subhanahu wa taala. said, "Every Nabi has disciples. My disciples are Zubair and Talha radiAllahu taala So her husband is Zubair. Her mother-in-law is Safiya, the aunt of the Prophet sallallahu Her father is Abu Bakr radiAllahu taala and her sister is Aisha radiAllahu taala and her brother-in-law is the prophet sallallahu and her son is abdullah bin zubair radiallahu anhu the first child born in Medina munawwara time went she was also from a very very poor family at first zubair anhu had nothing except a little hut when they came to Medina munawwara and he had a horse and not only she was to take care of the household not only she was to take care of the household but Asma radiallahu ta'ala anha needed to take care of the horse too hadith of Bukhari Sharif she says every day I would walk to the outskirts of Medina because Zubair had a small farm there I needed to go and find the dates and the date pits and some hay to bring it back to feed the horse of Zubair Allah. it was a long walk and I would walk every day I would go and I would walk to the farm and I would gather all these things and I would walk all the way back. And it became very difficult for me. And one day in the heat I was walking and on top of my head was this basket full of the hay for the horse of Zubair. And Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam passed me with his camel. With him were a few sahaba. So when he saw me he realized this is my sister-in-law. This is my Aisha sister. So he said aqrin, aqrin. he told the camel to sit and after the camel sat, he told asma عنها, please can you look what a gentleman the prophet was he's on the camel he's riding he has his sahaba who cares about this lady it's my sister's it's my wife's sister it's my wife's sister the prophet وسلم, stopped he said asma get onto the camel and you ride home We'll walk. Asmaa said, I knew my husband was very possessive. He did not like me speaking to men and he did not like me interacting with men too much. I remembered the ghairat of Zubair. And I knew that, of course, this is Rasulullah but there are other men with him. The fact when Zubair comes to know that there was this whole thing happening in the middle of the road, and men looking, and I'm getting on the camel, and they're all witnessing me going. It would have not set right with him. He wouldn't have objected because the Prophet gave me the right, but I know that would have hurt his heart. Hence, I politely told the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, I'm fine, I do it every day. You continue, I'll be there soon. The Prophet understood and he continued, but the next day he called Zubair. And he granted him a servant and said Don't send your wife out there working so hard Let the servant do the hard work And she said since that day My life became easy for me That was the days and the moments Sister you can't get married today And expect your husband to give you everything Life is about growth I know women they get married And next minute subhanallah They want their husband to buy a house already well, Her life doesn't work like that. You grow together. Few years you have to make I Aisha never eat in the house of the Prophet ﷺ. Asma ta'ala, anha, is looking after the horse of her husband and walking kilometers to go and give food to the... Today, Asma walks several kilometers to go and get food for the horse of her husband. Today, a woman weeks will go and she won't even cook for her own husband. She'll say, it's not part of marriage. So it works both ways you have to grow together and inshallah when allah opens your risk, then he opens your risk do you know later on in life allah gave zubair so much wealth and it was all not because he was teaching and he was telling everyone you know what i'm teaching i am zubair the disciple of the prophet throw the money and people throwing money because he's a disciple of the prophet no he was a businessman and he was in property he would invest in properties he would buy properties sell and buy properties But he would take a lot of loans so when he passed away it was just a whole jumble sale no one knew how much he owns and how much he owes one of the most interesting hadith in Bukhari Sharif that you definitely will need a calculator when you're sitting on that hadith it is the inheritance of Zubair when he passed away he told Abdullah bin Zubair I owe a lot of people money and I also have a lot of different lands try to sell try to balance and try to see whatever's left do you know how much was left after the death of Zubair 5 million 5 million 200,000 gold coins <laughs> today brother if you leave just half a million dollars you reach we're not talking of half a million dollars We're talking of 5,200,000 gold coins. Allah Akbar. Today, in today's money, if you take that gold, 10 to amount dollars, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's millions of dollars. So maybe, subhanAllah, 30, 40 million dollars. And that was left by Sayyidina Abdullah Zubayr. Instantly, overnight, Asma became a billionaire or millionaire. But her walking on the roads of Makkah and not having anything and feeding the horse of Zubair and her having everything and having millions, again like her sister, did not change her attitude. Today, subhanallah, a person just gets up in a car, driving a Hyundai, different attitude. Give them a Mercedes-Benz, different attitude. Living in Dufton, they're different. Put them a little bit in Listerfield Lake for two, three three years. Completely different person. Why you allow wealth to change you? Countries. I'm living in that country. I'm different. I come to Australia. I'm different. Country is not supposed to change your attitude. The car you drive doesn't change your attitude. You are a humble servant before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether you have, you don't have, that doesn't matter. So subhanallah, this is what we learn from the lives of these great two women. Aisha radiallahu anha, and Asma radiallahu anha. And I reach my conclusion by saying, look at what a great lady she was. She was very brave. Very brave. And she learned that from her mother-in-law, Safiya radiallahu anha. Safiya radiallahu anha was the aunt of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi One day, Nabi kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, went to Uhud. And he left Safiya, his aunt, Amongst the women folk in a fort and uh, one of the Jewish tribes came and they were subhanallah looking Is there anyone in here? Maybe it's just women again. I told you The cowards always look for the soft spots the women and the children So they sent one man. They said you go in and have a look If there's no man call us we'll all jump in When he came in there was no man But there was subhanallah such women in there that is equal to today's hundred men. Safiya radiallahu anha. The aunt of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, She was more than 60, 70 years old. She took one of the pegs. That was lying on the side. She not only killed him. She subhanallah took his head and threw it over. The wall. When, the, when, 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 when those people that were coming. And had ill intentions of the women of Medina. When they seen that. They said subhanallah. My brother let alone an enemy coming in. Decapitating him and throwing his head over. Today, asked the women folk to come. We went we were slaughtering. I can't see the blood. I can't see the blood. Where bravery is going to come into us? How are we going to be like the women of Gaza? So, subhanallah, Asma Allah, ta'ala anha learned this from her mother in law. Of course, we don't make zulam on anyone and we never ever teach violence. But self-defense, you don't allow people to do whatever they want to with you. You need to create your borders and, and, and defend yourself. So subhanallah, it is said in the days of Saeed bin Asr radiallahu there was a lot of turmoil in Medina Munawwara, and the things were very, very dangerous. Asma anha, was known as the dagger lady, because she would keep two daggers on her all the time on her belts like that. And her hands were all the time on her daggers as she would walk. If there's anything that seemed dangerous, immediately she would pull them out. Where you hear about that? Where you hear about that? So, my beloved, subhanallah, she's about to pass away, but Allah Ta'ala gave her a long life. Allah Ta'ala extended her life for over 100 years. Over 100 years, and they said, over 100 years. Not even one tooth of hers fell out. She was intact. Allah Taala kept her fit. And Hassan Abdullah bin Zubair, he stood up to become the wali of Makkah Mukarramah and unfortunately, things never go very well for him. And Hajjaj bin Yusuf marched on Makkah Mukarramah. He bombarded Makkah. Catapults were used. Fire was thrown. Part of the Kaaba was burned. And everyone left Abdullah bin Zubair radiallahu anhu to the extent that his own servants and people around him left him. He came to his mother and he said, Oh, my mother, I only want to ask you one thing. I want to ask you something. They are offering me a lot of money if I kneel in and I give it to them. I give Makkah to them willingly and I go off and I go and stay somewhere. They probably will give me a home and they'll even pay me for what I'm doing. Or should I fight till the end? Because they are on the wrong. And subhanallah, this lion of a mother, Asma, the daughter of Abu Bakr, she's sitting, and which mother wants to see her child die? But they were not a nation of cowardice. They were a nation of Izzah and honor. And she looked up and said to her son, Oh my beloved son, Wallahi, I gave birth to you in the honor of Medina. When I gave birth to you, the entire Ummah celebrated your birth. I would only give you one advice. It is better to die the death of honor than living the life of disregard. Living the life of dishonor, living the life of disrespect, better than that is to die with honor. My son, don't give up to these children of the Banu Umayyah. They are little children of the Banu Umayyah playing with you in your life. Don't worry about them. Fight till the end. And Subhanallah, he said, That's all I want to hear from you, Mum. And he hugged her. And when he hugged her, Subhanallah, she felt on him the, the, the guard or the armor. And she said, Oh, my beloved, a person that is looking for Allah doesn't wear this. And he said, My mother, I normally don't wear it, but I wore it to give you some comfort. And she said, No, take it out. He said, Oh, my mother, I fear. That when I'm going to be killed, unfortunately, they will mutilate me and they'll cut my pieces of my body off. And she said, Subhanallah, oh my beloved son, when a sheep is skinned, it doesn't feel the pain. Go forth. A Shaheed, Allah Ta'ala said, that the death, the pain is nothing but like a mosquito bite. And Subhanallah, he went forth. And when he passed away, Subhanallah, she came by him and Hajjaj bin Yusuf at that time said, Dhatun Dhatun or the one of two belts. She said, You make fun of that word, Dhatun but it was afforded to me by Rasulullah with great respect. He said it out of love because I tore off my shawl to give food to the Prophet. Sallallahu he said, Afsatu alayhi dunya. I just corrupted your son's dunya completely and shattered his dreams. He said, Def- definitely you've done that. You've done that. It's a year, two years, five years, ten years. Which king ruled more than fifty years? He has ruined your year after which will be billions of years. Billions of years. So my beloved, subhanAllah, to understand that the women and the men of those times of Rasulullah were genuine. They lived with izzat and with their heads high. They never care of materialism. They never care of subhanallah what they earned or what they had or what they never have. They never allow any type of muscle, whether it was knowledge or it was materialism, to change themselves. They changed the world. They changed the world. They never allowed the world to change them. They had sabr, they had patience and their eyes were affixed to the promises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the year after, may Allah Ta'ala make these two great women, who were the mentors of this Ummah, dwell in the highest status of Jannah. And may Allah Ta'ala allow us and our women, folk especially, to learn the traits of these sisters and Alhamdulillah, implied it within our own lives.